Another unprecedented year in politics, and a year that ends with a partial government shutdown. Today, we're looking back at 2018 and ahead to 2019 as we sit down with Congressman Andre Carson, Senator Todd Young, Governor Eric Holcomb, and Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. As we look ahead to 2019 and reflect on the year that was, it's hard to overlook the situation still developing in Washington as we speak. The partial government shutdown with no end in sight. I can't tell you when the government's going to be open. I can tell you it's not going to be open until we have a wall, a fence, whatever they'd like to call it. The halls of Congress quiet this weekend with lawmakers back home for the New Year's holiday and a new Congress being sworn in next Thursday. Meantime, the White House standing firm with a new threat from the president after he returned from his trip to Iraq. Friday, he tweeted, we will be forced to close the entire southern border if the obstructionist Democrats, as he put it, do not give us the money to finish the wall and also change the ridiculous immigration laws our country is saddled with. That tweet from the president. Right now, I'm joined by Indiana Congressman Andre Carson. Thank you so much for being with us. Good to be here. What is your reaction to that statement from the president, that threat to basically shut down the southern border if this government shutdown continues? I think that this is a, a mediocre extortion attempt by President Trump. Uh, none of us want to see the government shut down, but he's trying to attach this wall with it. There are other ways in which we can secure the, uh, the border through technological advancements, through uh, more hiring more border protection agencies or border patrol agencies, but to build a wall sends the wrong message. A 2,000-mile wall is unacceptable. Uh, obviously, Democrats have been talking about passing a spending bill right away next week when sure. Congress reconvenes, but whether they can get a bill through that passes the Senate and gets the president's signature is obviously another question. Can there be compromise here? I think there can always be compromise. What we don't want Trump to do is be so poll obsessed, trying to speak to his base, as it were, thinking about 2020 and not thinking about the hundreds of thousands, 400,000 plus federal workers who won't be receiving their checks on time. Sarah Huckabee Sanders this past week said Democrats would rather have open borders than an open government. Are Democrats willing to make any concessions here when it comes to border security? I think the concession comes in a package that includes technological advancements. I think it comes in a package that says we want to uh, rehash the Border Patrol services. We want to hire more agents, make sure they're properly trained, not have kids die at the hands of ICE. And I think we need a real overhaul. I think that this administration is not only an embarrassment, but I really want my Republican friends to stand up and be bold and push back against Trump. How long is this shutdown going to last? And uh, will you be willing to forego some of your pay as some lawmakers have? Well, I think that's always a reality. I think um, some members of Congress years ago decided to uh, include pay into the negotiations. Uh, which is problematic, but I don't want to see anybody lose their pay. I don't want to see postal workers lose their pay temporarily. I don't want to see folks from the Transportation Department lose their pay. I don't want to see members of Congress lose their pay. I think this whole pageantry about play, uh, pay is based on many members of Congress who are very wealthy. God bless the wealthy, but these folks are millionaires, some of them, uh, of them maybe close to billionaire status, who can afford to say, 
I'm willing to forego my pay for one year, but it's pageantry. And the, the, the regular folks who are in Congress really want to see something happen. All right, looking ahead to 2019 and the new Congress, Democrats taking back the House, obviously, which could mean a more prominent role for you, perhaps, on the House Intelligence mm -hmm. Committee. Where is your committee's uh, investigation headed here in the new year? Well, once we... Uh, assume the majority. Um, we hope to restart the Russia investigations. I hope that the committee that I am a chair on, a subcommittee chair, um, I hope to push that effort. But I also want to make sure we're providing the intelligence community uh, the tools that they need to be productive. We want to make sure the CIA is productive, the FBI is productive, that they're not misappropriating, misusing taxpayer dollars, but the personnel there who work so hard each and every day feel the support from Congress. How much pressure will there be to pursue impeachment in the year ahead? We did an interview with you a few months sure. back uh, where you told me you thought perhaps the standard had been met to consider impeachment proceedings. Do you still feel that way or do you think impeachment could pose a political risk for the Democrats? Well, the constitutional standard is high crimes and misdemeanors. Um, that includes bribery and even treason. Um, the Russia investigations uh, on the Mueller side and the congressional side seek to unearth those, those matters. But also, I think in a very real sense, we can't become so obsessed with impeachment that we're missing an opportunity to work with a president who has a background in development to come up with a transportation bill that will produce jobs for the next 10 to 15 years. The Democrats have a $1 trillion proposal that I think uh, is the best route to take. But again, in some of those after some of those court filings, you told me having a sitting president listed as an unindicted co-conspirator to me meets the test, meets the standard. I think that he's unfit to serve as president. Those were your words. Do mm -hmm. you still feel that that's the case at this point, or have you moved on that? I'm, I'm, I'm at the door of impeachment, but, you know, I think that uh, I don't want my words to impact the Mueller investigation. I certainly don't want it to disrupt what we're trying to do on the intelligence community or even what the judiciary community is trying to do and, and committee is trying to do. So I want to be measured, but I want to be forceful. I want to be bold. And we've got to hold the president accountable. I'm being held accountable. Um, I think the president's his provocations have worn out the Republican Party. I mean, my Republican colleagues on the floor complain constantly about his provocations. And at the end of the day, folks don't care about your political party. They want to know that you're going to D.C., working on their behalf, and that's what we intend on doing. Well, what else are you hoping to accomplish in the year ahead? I know you've been working on legislation Absolutely. in response to that duck boat tragedy that uh, yes, sadly yes. Uh, killed nine members of a, of a local family. God bless the family. I spoke to uh, the family a few days ago. Um, uh, what this bill seeks to do is to add greater oversight to make it mandatory for all duck boat passengers to have life vests on and, and other matters. And we want to kind of introduce the bill to allow other members of Congress to have input and to make amendments as necessary to ultimately pass the House, pass the Senate, and get signed by the President. Can this Congress work together in the year oh, ahead? I think so. I think so. I think if we could get past the political shenanigans, I mean, there's a degree of pageantry that exists in Congress. In Washington, never. <laughs> <laughs> they, they say Washington is Hollywood for ugly people, so hey. <laughs> um, but there's a degree of pageantry and theatrics, but I think beyond that, you know, as I travel with Republicans and even Tea Partiers, we really don't disagree on much. Our methodologies may vary, okay. uh, but the end goal is the same. Okay. Congressman Andre Carson, An honor. Thank, thank you so you. much. We appreciate it. As we look ahead to 2019, we're also looking back at the year that was. Recently, we sat down with Senator Todd Young, Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett, and Governor Eric Holcomb. It's been a good year. It's been a year of progress. Proud of all the state employees that had a, either a small hand or a, or a big hand in some of the progress that's been made. What I'm most proud of is our, our aspirational, our never quit, our always seek to improve, uh, to be a little better off tomorrow than we are today, whether it's got to do with 
um, breaking the all-time new job commitment record this year that we set last year. These are, these are signs that we're never going to be satisfied because we're always going to have um, cases that require additional resources uh, or, or helping our fellow Hoosiers. But that's what we do, and we're proving it, and we're being noticed around the country. So I think it'll be an election year that is typical uh, and appropriate. But the important thing is, once September and October of 2019 come and go, once the election's held, once the votes are, are counted and the winners declared, this administration and my leadership have put a, a standard of leaving aside the partisan differences and addressing the problems and the challenges that face us as a community, as one city, regardless of what political party you belong to, these problems are not partisan in nature. There is no such thing as a Republican pothole or a Democratic pothole. It's just a pothole, and we need to fix it. And that's why Republicans and, and Democrats on the council have come together to embrace our vision for the future in meaningful ways. You gave yourself a B minus, C plus, um, after two years in office. Um, how would you grade yourself today? Well, you know, I think that the ultimate grade, now that I formally announced my candidacy for re-election and uh, at the end of the year will we'll be 10 months away from the municipal elections in November of 2019, I'll let the people of Indianapolis, as they should, uh, give me their own grade. Uh, and, um, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, they deserve the opportunity to, to engage uh, in a vigorous debate about the future of the city of Indianapolis. If they support what I've tried to do in these first three years, uh, then I hope that the grade that they vote <laughs> will be accordingly. And if they take issue, um, well, that's part of the process. As we approach the new year, what are some of the successes you can point to from this last year in Washington amidst all the other controversy? And, and what do you think realistically can be accomplished next year in a divided Congress? Well, you have to look at the economy as we look back at the last uh, couple of years with a Republican-controlled Congress working with this president. Consumer optimism is higher than it's ever been. Wages are rising across all income groups. I think a lot of credit does indeed go to Congress working with this president, whether it's our tax reform, our regulatory reform, passage of some new workforce development initiatives. I hope some of that work continues into the new year. There's more work to be done, though we've had many successes with respect to opioids. Uh, transportation and, and other infrastructure uh, uh, legislation is, is something that I think we can find a measure of bipartisan consensus on. And of course, national security. There's a whole lot to talk about there. The world's a dangerous place, but uh, that's always an area that I think is conducive to some bipartisan work. What's your number one priority in the year ahead? Well, uh, I sit on a committee that deals with health care and education issues. So uh, as the governor and other state leaders work on making sure that everyone has the skills to meaningfully participate in this growing economy, whether that's uh, emerging from K through 12, ready to land a good job, or retraining and reskilling so that you can uh, uh, you know, adapt to a changing economy. We want to make sure that we're playing a significant role there on health care. Uh, we need to innovate more and create a space for innovation in this economy so that health care costs actually do go down sustainably. So I'm going to be playing a very big role on that front as well. You have a new partner in the Senate in the state of Indiana in Mike Braun this year. 
Yeah, I can't wait to work with Mike Braun. I mean, he's got, uh, as so many of your viewers will know, uh, incredible business experience and uh, life experiences more generally. He has just enough experience in public office to know how to get things done. Uh, but uh, he brings that outsider perspective. So I've already developed a good relationship and, and friendship with Mike and uh, looking forward to working together on behalf of Hoosiers. All right, coming up next, we continue to look back at the year in politics as we talk with our panel about the year that was. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. We got a rare opportunity, I think, to really make things happen in D.C. You've given me so much, and I'm so grateful to all of you. Indiana's race for Senate dominated the political headlines here in the Hoosier State this year. 2018 saw so much controversy in Washington, it's hard to fit it all in. But recently, I sat down with our panel from both sides of the aisle to talk about the year in politics. Here with Robin Winston, Mike Murphy, Christina Hale, and Tony Samuel. What stood out to you the most this year, Robin? How people stood up for women in the workplace how rules changed, how a Supreme Court nominee had to go to the bottom of the ninth to be confirmed because of con concerns about what he'd done in the past, how, how Bill Cosby was correctly uh, imprisoned, how everybody now has to take a new look at it. As the father of, of a daughter in school, I'm proud that young men will have to look at things a little bit differently. All people have to look at it, but I think the women of America, th how that all worked out stood out to me the most. Well, Mike. A complete lack of leadership in Washington. Things deteriorated from January to December, day by day. I don't care if it's the House, the Senate, or the White House. It's left people like us in the Midwest saying, thinking, where are we going? Are we safe? What's the future hold for our children and grandchildren? The answers are not there. What stood out to you, Christina? Well, the fractious relationships between Republicans and Democrats, you know, family members, friends that are really breaking. It's personal. It's personal. Right. They're breaking relationships over really sometimes petty, petty uh, disagreements over politics. Um, I'm glad to hear what Robin had to say about women as well. I think he's absolutely right. I'm also very encouraged by how many women um, are running for office themselves as well. It's beyond time for that. Uh, a mixed bag for the president in 2018? I'd say a mixed bag, and that is what, what, what stands out for me. Um, as I see it, the president has accomplished so much. Uh, unemployment is at record lows. Salaries are going up. Um, successes around the world, uh, yet there's chaos, as, as it's easily descri often described. And that, to me, is because of the constant barrage of attacks. I mean, people are honestly bullying the First Lady and attacking the President at every chance they get, and I'd like to see a stop to that, obviously. Obviously a lot of controversy in Washington. Okay, can you boil the whole year down and pick a winner and a loser? We do it week by week every year. This is for the whole year. Winners and losers for 2018. Robin, I'll start with you. Well, I'm not schmoozing up to you, but people in the, people in the fourth estate, I mean, the journalists. Well, we appreciate it. I mean, you know, to look at, a, at Jim Acosta kind of in a Dan Rather moment, looking at the President of the United States and standing up to him, and then them having to readmit him into the press corps tells me that people still believe that, remember, the First Amendment comes before the Second Amendment. In our, in our Constitution. I think he'll be asked back. <laughs> Mike? <laughs> well, I think the, the winner has to be Governor Holcomb. He went through 12 months of solving problems for Republicans, for Democrats. Across the board, people love him. He stayed away from controversy. He's going into 19 with a great year. I think the loser has to be USA Gymnastics. I have never seen an organization with at one time have such a stellar reputation 
who destroyed themselves, uh, maybe destroy, helped destroy young girls' lives, and now disappearing in bankruptcy. So many problems throughout the year. Christina. Winner, the people of Indiana, we had the worst voter turnout of any state in the nation in 2014. We had 51% this past election cycle. We need to continue with that kind of good behavior and tremendous turnout and engagement. Um, I would say losers. Anyone who's looking to retire in 2019, we're seeing increased volatility in the markets. I'm not sure that that banner year um, is going to hold. I think we're to close out this year. Um, we're at least 22 points now with the, down with the NASDAQ. And who knows what 2019 has to hold with, with all of this chaos. Sony, you get the last word. Winner, the American worker, because you saw, as I said earlier, wages increasing, uh, jobs uh, being, being uh, created. Um, plants being expanded, um, companies coming back from overseas. So the American worker, um, loser, I think the Indiana Democrat Party, they lost the Senate seat, a rough didn't, gain, yeah. didn't gain in the House seats where you, you did everywhere else. And uh, you gained a few uh, uh, legislative seats, but you're still in the, the super minorities. Think we're gonna have anything to talk about in 2019? Oh, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh yeah. More to come, right? Yeah. Stick around, we'll be right back. Looking back at 2018, quite a year in politics. Indie Star columnist Tim Swearens, U Indy political science professor Dr. Laura Wilson, and Adam Wren, contributing editor with Politico and Indianapolis Monthly. The year started and went all the way through the year with a lot of drama in D.C. We had an election here in Indiana and across the country, and the year ending with all of this drama over a government shutdown. What stood out to you the most this year, Tim? But two things. One, one uh, the continued chaos in D.C., which dominates the headlines, the news cycle, and the news cycle is, is at a much faster pace than ever before. So all of that is occurring, and that's one reality. But, but below that reality is the fact that the nation's economy is very strong. Uh, we're, we're doing quite well on, on the economy. Um, there are a lot of good things happening in this country right now that kind of get lost in all the chaos that's going on in, in the capital. There have been some fluctuations on the Dow, but on the balance, the economy has, has been strong throughout the year. Laura, what, what stands out to you when you look back at 20 Yeah, well, I really echo Tim's sentiments. You have some really great highs and incredible moments and also some really unfortunate lows, but I think the polarization as a whole just seems to be more increased. Getting worse, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. and, and if you go from the beginning of 2018 to the end of 2018, I'd say in 12 months, right. you can see how that's even gotten wider. And it's obviously not a good trend. It's not a road we want to be down. That's not something we want to keep seeing, and yet, at least as we're ending out the year, it seems to be what we're having. Quite an election year here in Indiana and elsewhere. That's right. I think the thing that stands out to me the most is Indiana's status as importantville. Um, we saw half Which a dozen... Which is, by the way, a great <laughs> political newsletter written by... Nice plug. Adam Red. We yes. saw half a dozen visits from the Vice President and President Trump during the primaries. Uh, Todd Young, our uh, senior senator, is now the finance chair for the NRSSEs, the national chair. He's going to be leading the election cycle in 2020 and uh, our, our status as an ever-increasing, more important state is solidified by Pete Buttigieg looking at uh, pr the presidency. But at the statewide level, for Indiana Democrats, a lot of tough lessons from this election. It's a, tough, a yeah. tough election, and what I'm hearing really for the first time among Democrats is they don't see a path forward, which is discouraging, because I think we need two strong parties in our state. But, but Buttigieg's decision, I think, is in somewhat a result of what we saw this year. Absolutely. Where do we go from here as we head into 2019 politically? <laughs> that is the $82 million question. Right. Or one might say a $5 billion, $5 billion question, depending on how we want to use it. Yeah, right. um, I, I think if there's 
the capability for more compromise, and I am an optimist. I think that the parties can come <laughs> together. They will have to because we will have divided government That's with right. the Democrats taking over the House in January. And then on a state level, I think for the, both the parties to be competitive as well, the nice thing is coming off an election, we're coming to a state budgeting session, right. but then we'll be coming to another election in 2020. What are you watching for here in the months ahead as we start the new year? You know, the, I'm looking at Indiana's congressional delegation, and will they, will there be a moment where they break with President Trump on issues like Afghanistan, on issues like uh, the Secretary of defense, uh, a new nomination. Um, we could also see someone like Brant Hirschman's wife, Lisa, who's number three in the Pentagon right now, be on the shortlist for Secretary right. of Defense. So, um, you know, I'm really curious, is there going to be a moment when Indiana's delegation, mostly Republicans, begin to break more, more firmly with the president? No doubt it'll be an interesting year as we head toward, you know, 2019 pretty much is the beginning of the 2020 <laughs> presidential election year. Yes, that, that's one thing I can right. say for certain. It yes. will be a very interesting year next year. All right, let's pick winners and losers, not just for the week here, but for the entire year. Adam, you get to go first. Uh, my winner is Todd Young, who I think has really comported himself as a workhorse in a lot of ways. He's really been a vocal voice on, uh, on the conflict in Yemen, the world's largest humanitarian, uh, humanitarian conflict, and I think my loser would be Indiana Democrats. My winner is going to be voter turnout. For the state of Indiana, it was 51%, which is almost double what we had the last congressional midterm at 26%. So that's very exciting. Strong very strong turnout. Angry or excited, happy people are showing out. I think my loser is going to be the numbers in terms of murders in this city. The homicide rate is another record. We're a beautiful, fantastic city. That's not reflective of that. No doubt that'll be a big top in the, in the 2019 mayoral race. Tim. My winner is Mike Braun, who in the Republican primary defeated two members of the U.S. House and then knocked off an incumbent in the general election. The expectations beat all, all sorts yeah. of expectations, and and my loser has to be Curtis Hill, who destroyed his own promising political career uh, with uh, um, abhorrent behavior. Thank you all for what you do to help keep us all informed uh, throughout the year. We appreciate it. We'll see you again in 2019. Happy New Year, everybody.